This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. You have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What no, uh, <laughs> a hot take, hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. And with that, we are underway. Come all, come one. What? To episode 38 of Cool Kids Bible Study, Jesus' Christmas Tree. Uh, speaking is your host, Cole Tostian, together with uh, the ever insightful co-host, the good reverend, Pastor George Erlinson. George? Hello, everyone. I, I was hoping you would say, come all ye faithful, Cole. You missed up a great opportunity no, there. No, no, no. That's a very modern Christmas song, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> this is really just the worst uh, recording platform known to man. Um, hmm. So... So, George, uh, I'm in uh, no mental state to record a podcast. I was assaulted Good. by a homeless man today, and then I Good. had a very uh, emotional conversation um, with someone who's living a sort of weird parallel life to me uh, over dinner, and uh, I cried. It was a lot of crying. And, yes, uh, a very emotional man. Yes. I So, between the, the homeless assault and the emotional dinner... Um, I will, you're going to listen for people who like George, you're going to love this one. Yes. He's going to run the whole fucking episode. Yeah. You're going to love it. You're going to yeah. love it. Wait, can you like, oh, you're wait, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do, yeah, yeah. Get, get us into, uh, for, get, get us we're gonna into do light banter. banter. Yeah. For, for yeah. people who are like, Hey, the pseudo intellectual guy who thinks he's funnier than he is. We don't like him as much. You're going to love this episode. Here is light banter. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. All right. Take it away. Well, I want to know how you got assaulted by a homeless man. So, like a good yuppie, I was uh, getting a fancy taco lunch. Uh, Korean, <laughs> you know, your, your basics. Korean barbecue tacos. Oh. No, this place called Kundado. Uh, Korean barbecue tacos. Um, eh, Indian butter chicken tacos, mm. you know, classics. Yeah. Uh, you know, so faux chorizo, you know, that's a vegan chorizo. Mm. And uh, we're walking out. It's me and three work colleagues after. And uh, I see this guy coming like a block away. And we're kind of like cracking jokes and having a good time and laughing. You know, we ripped, we ripped it. You know, we ripped some shots at lunch. <laughs> we're a sales team. Okay. It's a Monday. <laughs> We got bored. We were like, fucking shots? As soon as a sales team is out to lunch and one person says, fucking would it be crazy if we ripped some shots? There are shots on the table eight seconds later. Right? <laughs> one other person might go, I mean, it would be a little crazy. But then immediately it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Four yeah, shots. Yeah. yeah so so um, we ripped some shots. We're feeling good. We have some tacos. Um, we bitch about our job. It's just classic sales and it's, yeah. it's it's what we live for so um we filter out of the restaurant and uh there's this homeless guy barreling around and, and we're laughing we're we're in the streets you know we've just ripped tequila shots we're, we're we're in a good mood and this guy just comes up and he's like yo stop laughing what are you laughing at motherfucker what are you laughing at <laughs> and then he repeatedly started pointing at me and calling me the n-word and i was like for, you know okay interesting um but then you know my my buddy dan is the one that he singled out i guess and was like hey fuck you man you think what's funny now motherfucker <laughs> and so i got i tried to like get in front of this guy and be like hey man uh look at me you know it's like hey right right um I was like, hey, look, uh, we don't, we don't, we really, we don't mean any disrespect and we're just passing through. And he's like, oh, oh, you think some shit's funny. <laughs> so he, he grabs me by the chest, right? And then he yeah. like jabs me in the, in the, in the chest. And I just kind of like push him back and I get some distance and I get my, you know, I get my like whereabouts, you know, my wherewithals sure. about me. And I'm getting in a kind of like defensive 
stance or whatever. And because uh, my only goal here is to create enough time between whatever crazy shit he's going to do next and however I have to react. Um, and I was just like, really, as calmly as I could, I was like, listen, we don't mean any disrespect. And he's like, well, you better walk. You better fucking walk on it. I was like, yeah, I agree. We're going to keep walking in this direction. We're going to be away from you. Like, you know, um, and so by the grace of God, he. He left and there was no more you know craziness um mm. he tried to steal one of my shoes it was a whole thing but uh there was no like praise god there was no more like you know violence happening and it was great mm. but it kind of rattled me for the rest of the day you know mm. um and i was like oof geez because i thought about like okay this is the scary part about that interaction is the level of like intensity and drama and trauma, right? Of that mo- little tiny moment, like that's that dude's entire life, right? Right. Um, and that's haunting. Yeah, it's sad. It, yeah, that's really haunting, and it's like, um, yeah. Um. So it just puts you in a very like sort of quiet, reflective mood. Mm. And uh, it it makes you and also like as someone who has done some like a decent amount of like hard sparring and, you know, fighting and stuff. um, It also it, it snaps you right back to that place you are when you're getting you're in a vulnerable position and you're getting beat up on in the ring mm-hmm. and you go right back to that mentality of like, you know, fight or flight. And you're like, Whoa. And all those memories come back and all those knockdowns and all the fucking, you know, black eyes and, and split lips and shit come rushing back to you. And you're like, <gasps> You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and you're just in that you snap into that mode and then everything just stops and you're out of that. And then you're just like in an office and you're like, what the f-? your brain's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> so, it was just very uh, hi. This is uh Cole yeah, Tushin I'm literally from, in like a, from XYZ oh, company. Yeah, here to yeah, make yeah. Sale. <laughs> I'm literally in like a one on one, like like year end review later. And I had to stop my manager and I was like, look, I'm sorry. I just I'm not I can't. It looks like I'm zoning out. And this is why And it's because like <laughs> that aspect of that, like, you know. Um, uh, violence, right? Violence exists on another plane of existence from every other type of life experience. Sure. Where it's truer than any other type of life experience in a Mm. way. Um, I mean, there are other things like this, uh, like um, transcendence and prayer uh, experiences with uh, experiencing the power of God sex you know (laughs) uh you know there are things that like you're like whoa the this is these are experiences that make the rest of life not feel like real life so it just kind of fucked me up for a while and um yeah Mm. so i'm gonna i'm in a very listening mood today oh good good that's a good thing to be in for our yeah. topics today. Yeah. So, well, I had nothing that exciting happen to me at all uh, in the past week. So I'm like totally good to move into our deep dive if you want to. Can we please? Yes. Okay, here we go. George's deep dive. It's so deep. It is so deep. And it today, is so deep. <laughs> today, I wanted to talk about Christmas because it's, you know, Christmas time. Uh, for those of us uh, who celebrate on the Gregorian calendar, 
it's this Sunday. So that's exciting for all of us. Um, for those of us who don't, it's in January. Um, so maybe, you know, we'll have a special other Christmas episode for that one. Um, but I wanted to talk about something because every year without fail, without fail, we have people who uh, will talk about how Christmas is a pagan holiday. And this is something that I love to talk about because I studied classics and this is like right up my alley. It's at that weird intersection where Christianity meets like classical studies. And I, I'm just so excited about it. But I figured that this would be something worth talking about because it can just be informative for those of you who aren't Christians. And for those of you who are, this is like an amazing just thing to have in your back pocket in case you ever run into this in real life. Um, because like, I can't, you know, count how many times I've seen this, uh, like most famously, like every year you see, and I know it's not anyone's fault. This is definitely like one of those things where it's like editors are like, you know what we need? We need, a we need an attention grabbing article. Uh, how, how can you, you know, John, give, give me an article that says 10, Fuck Christmas. Click click and share, bitches. You're my little click pig, aren't you? You outraged little click pig bitch. (laughs) Right. Mm, right. Feed me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, get get us 10 things about the pagan origins of Christmas or whatever, (laughs) and all the Southern Baptist grandmas are gonna are gonna hate share this article. All right? We need it. (laughs) So so I just I just all all the time see this and figured that this would be a good topic uh, for our Christmas episode because it's something I'm passionate about, something informative, and something that I'm sure everyone on this podcast has heard of um, or dealt with in some way. And so uh, one of the things that I actually remembered, I, I it's been like so long since I've I, I read the Da Vinci Code a long time ago. Um, and I think it's really interesting uh, because that book has had like, at least in the late 2000s into the 2010s, that book was like one of those pop culture things that had an insane pull on the popular consciousness. And so I don't know. Have you seen or read The Da Vinci Code, Cole, or no? Uh, I saw the movies, yeah. Yeah. I don't so, like, read. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole point of it is basically like that there's a conspiracy about the bloodline of Jesus and it goes down through the centuries and stuff like that because Jesus was married, had kids, things like that. So uh, anyway, one of the things the villain says in that is I think something that obviously did not originate with the Da Vinci Code, which is what we're going to get into, uh, but something that is really popular, I believe, by a lot of, of people. So like the the bad guy in the Da Vinci Code, who's like this uh, symbologist type of, type of guy, um, <laughs> Dan Brown has him says this. He says, uh, nothing in Christianity is original. Uh, the pre-Christian god Mithras, called the son of God and the light of the world, was born on December 25th. And like, I, you know, if you just like take a step back and think about that, you probably heard, you as the listener, but I guess also Cole, you probably heard a lot of people say that. Um, yeah. And maybe like about even different gods as well. So like they'll sometimes it, it's not Mithras. It's like Sol Invictus or um, Saturn or something like that. It's a really common thing. Um, so I wanted to kind of examine that. And I think it's it's funny because both of, both of us in this podcast are actually tied to to how this became a thing. Uh, and I think that's that'll be interesting to see. So um I wanted to read for everyone because it's the Christmas season. Uh, the narratives uh, from Luke and Matthew, which are the two stories of the birth of Jesus that we have in the New Testament. Let us be attentive. Let us be attentive. So from the Gospel of Matthew, it says, uh, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is from Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Wisdom. (laughs) I need you in my church saying that all the time, Cole. That'd be nice. Um, And then the second one, this is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. It says, in those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, uh, and that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So... Second story that we get. Um, one of the things that that reminded me of is we just did our Christmas pageant. This is a tangent. But we just did our Christmas pageant at our church, and we had to practice mm-hmm. this. And so the kids go through and read the story. And one of them got to the, the name of that Roman governor, which I say is Quirinius. And they were like, Quirinus? And then all the teenagers were like, <laughs> she said queer. And I was like, guys, stop. There's one little Cole Tasha in the back, like queer anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't make fun of that name. Anyway, um, that's just, oh, that's the humanity. Mind. Christmas is dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cancel it. <laughs> um, so uh, something you'll know if you look at both those, neither of them give you a time when it happened, right? Like there's no hint at yeah. what time of the year it was. They don't say anything. That wasn't in so January 6th. That wasn't. <laughs> the Armenians are right. <laughs> that wasn't an important time for, uh, for people to note. Like that wasn't to Luke or Matthew. They didn't think it was important to, to put that down. Um, and so, uh, that's like one of the major things that are as missing. So like for people who are looking at that, those stories, and uh, hearing like stuff ab- about, you know, how, you know, looking at the past and seeing how Christianity is this thing and that it had institutional power, it like might make sense that maybe the Christians just took another holiday from, from someone else, right? I think that that would be kind of the, the argument that you kind of hear a lot of the time. Um, and this is something that like people who are like, this is a mistake that people who are like, even good historians make. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. there's a guy named John North, uh, and he wrote a really good book on Stonehenge. And in that book, he says um, that you know it's all about where the stars are and things like that. He's talking about. It. He says the church was anxious to draw the attentions of its members away from old pagan feasts, and the December date did this very well, for it coincided with the birthday of the invincible sun of Mithraism and the end of Roman Saturnalia, which was December 24th. Now that guy's a really good, he's a, he, he, I guess he said he was, he's dead now, but he was a uh, historian of um, science. Um, and so like not a bad historian uh, by, by any means, but I think like sometimes if you're outside of your zone or if you have your own biases, that can work its way into your, into your history. And so there was this idea that um, these holidays, specifically Saturnalia, that was the one that was really the first one um, was originally Christmas and then was taken over by Christians in an easy way to kind of uh, just graft their religion on. Right. You have a you have a holiday of the sun or a holiday of a famous God. Great. You can take that and you can just remove him and you can plug in Jesus. And this isn't a crazy thing to think because Christians have done this in certain parts of the world. I mean, I think most famously you see this a lot actually with the colonization and the syncretism that kind of took place with some uh, religious festivals in Mexico and things like that. So this isn't like a crazy thing uh, to claim, but it definitely is. It, it In this case, it's it's off base. Um, 
so the question for us is where did we get this uh, this 25th from um do you know cole or have you like ever thought about this or do you not really care well well wasn't it like the um the holy like the, the when the roman empire adopted christianity they was is that wrong <laughs> is that wrong because that's that's what i was told but oh, okay <laughs> they moved well, to the at, 25th no no it's not um it's it's well, look look we never even did so of course i don't know <laughs> people are like yeah. why is christmas december 25th i'm like it isn't <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's always my answer <laughs> january 6th or 5th depending on yeah so um so uh the first uh place that we get this idea of that that the roman empire adopted it or that the christians kind of put it in there comes from the 12th century so the 1100s and it's from a uh a medieval scribe who's anonymous and he's commenting on the work of a syrian bishop um jacob barsalvi and you know, in the, in these old books, this is like also how they would transmit knowledge. Is they would sometimes, uh, or give their own commentary. Is they would write in the margins um, to explain things or to say you know important things. And uh, we have lots of documentary evidence of this. Um, and so this guy is writing in the margins of this one uh, thing this bishop sent out, and he says uh, he says it was a custom of the pagans to celebrate on the same December 25th, the birthday of the sun. So this seems pretty, pretty similar to what we've heard in these mm-hmm. uh, solemnities and revelries. The Christians also took part accordingly. When the doctors of the church perceived that the Christians had a leaning to this festival, they took counsel and resolved that the true nativity should be solemnized on that day. So uh, this is a, again, a monk of the Syrian Orthodox church who's writing in the margins of this. And he says that uh, the pagans celebrated this date on uh, December 25th. Um, now, the question I have for you, Cole, is do you think, uh, could you think of a reason why he would write this? Ooh. Insert Jeopardy sound. Wait, re- restate the question. So why would that monk want to write that? Uh-huh in the in the margins why do you think that that would be important for him to to know hmm i don't know george (laughs) is it a political thing i don't know (laughs) well yes yes it is a political thing (laughs) (laughs) imagine Um, and and theological uh for those of us who are uh scholars um we know that the 12th century that's the 1100s right so this is only the great schism uh, yeah, it's only it's only a hundred something years after the Great Schism that this was written, and uh, of course, this is a time when there's the, this is the height of bad feelings between uh, Western and Eastern Christians in a lot of in a lot of ways. And one of the things that there was taught in the Eastern churches was that the West chose their date because that was the day that the that the Sol Invictus Festival was. Um, and this mm-hmm. is the first evidence that we have of someone making this claim, which is it, it goes back before this. And I actually just learned this recently because I thought it was other people that made this up. Um, and that's where I come in. So I said both of our traditions have had a hand in, in disseminating this myth. And uh, let I me see. tell okay. you, let me tell you, the reformed, uh, very zealous reformed Christians of the Reformation did not care for many of the popular festivals uh, that were going on at the time. And uh, there's a pilgrim who uh, talked of Christmas as a, some heathen feast of Bacchus. Uh, it was how he, he talked about it because he didn't like that people were celebrating uh, and uh, making merry uh, on this day in ways that he thought were unbecoming of Christians. Was that right. Calvin or Zwingli? It was neither of them. This was a, this was a Puritan in England. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, not that like the other reformed leaders, uh, it's just the most zealous ones began to, to, and it, we think it makes sense because one of the first things that Protestants did during the reformation was reach out to Eastern churches and begin dialogues with them because that was something that was actually forbidden it, it, a lot in the West, um, at yeah. the time. And so it makes sense that that would be an idea that they would pick up because Protestants love polemics. 
against Roman Catholics. And so they would have loved something like that. And this idea carries on from them into the Enlightenment. So then you get like, you know, Enlightenment figures making this claim. And now it's just something that people popularly believe about uh, about this. And it comes down to a lot of it just being like these political or theological disputes um, that are heightened later after the time. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem for that narrative kind is of that like, like the filioque. Yeah, like, like the filioque. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, like 900 years for anyone to give a shit about that. <laughs> I can't wait to see what they give a shit about in 900 years from now. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what we care about? Flags and churches. You know, yeah. like <laughs> uh, Anyone who doesn't have uh, the Christian flag in their church is anathema or something like that. Oh, yeah. man. Um, so uh, one of the things, right? So uh, it makes for really compelling uh, a narrative for, for some people. Um, but the evidence that we have doesn't really present us with that um, because we have two, just like today, we have two different dates for Easter that go back to the early church, uh, which are the days that we use now, which is January 6th um, or December 25th. And um, the one of the things that was really popular, the reason that those dates came around, one of the things that people loved is they loved symmetry. Um, Jews and Christians both would like read historical events and, and make them kind of line up to each other. So if you read like ancient histories or, or really medieval histories or early early modern or sorry early medieval period histories, you see a lot of symmetry, things happening on the same day, um, mm-hmm. because they believe that God is is you know. It's is perfect and does things in a perfect way. You know, the circle is a powerful. Yeah. The, the idea image. of time as linear is is a modern conception. Of yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Time so was like, always understood to be circular. Yeah, and this isn't even really unique to Christians and Jews either. Like, I, I no. there's no. there's stuff like this in Norse mythology as well. Um, Certainly, you can see uh, it in like Hindu. Uh, and and in Mayan, like the Hinduism, Mayan cycles. Yeah. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's a really good point to add. Thank you for adding that. Um, is, uh, is, is so that they, one of the things that they did, uh, or it became a popular belief among Christians was that Jesus died on the same day that he was born. Um, now of course we have no reference to when Jesus was born in terms of days or things like that, but we do have a reference to when Jesus died and that's found in the gospel of John and in the gospel of John, um, it says that Jesus died on the day of preparation, which was during the feast of Passover. And so people know that Passover falls in the Jewish month of Nisan. The problem with taking the Jewish calendar and putting it on the Roman calendars at the time, the the Julian and then the Gregorian is that you really struggle with how to line it up because the Jewish calendar is lunar. And so it depends on when you placed it. And so you had some people place it on, on uh, March 25th and others place it on April 6th. But the point is, is that uh, because God is perfect, Jesus would have been perfect. And so he would have had a perfect nine month pregnancy. Um, and this is shown for any, for people who are Catholics um, when, and I don't know if this is truth in orthodoxy, Cole, you may or may not know this. I wasn't able to find any information on it. But because this seems like something, something that maybe only the Catholics would celebrate, but I'm not sure, is the Feast of the Annunciation. So when Gabriel comes and announces to Mary that um, she is is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, we do that um, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. everyone <laughs> remembers it, but do you, I don't know what day you guys celebrate it on. Um, but for the oh, Catholic- such a loaded question because the, the churches all celebrate it differently. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the Catholics but by have, the churches, I mean like the different, the very various Orthodox churches. Like I'm sure the right. Greek Orthodox Church and the Armenian Orthodox Church do it differently. Sure. And yeah. I haven't bothered to figure out the distinction. Sure. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I would assume it works exactly the same way that the Catholic one does because Catholics celebrate the Feast of the Annunciation on March 25th, which is exactly nine months earlier to December. 25th. And so I'd imagine it works the exact same way in the Orthodox churches um, because of that. Um, 
and we have people who are talking about this. So there's like an anonymous writer who wrote this thing called On Solstices and Equinoxes. And uh, he says, therefore, our award was conceived on the 8th of the calends of April in the month of March. And so for those of you who don't know Latin things, I didn't know it. I had to look it up. That That's March 25th. Um, and he says, which is the day of the passion of the Lord and of his conception. For on that day, he was conceived on the same day he suffered. And Augustine of Hippo, um, also in his book on the Trinity, says, uh, for he, uh, Jesus, is believed to have been conceived on the 25th of March, upon which day he also suffered. So you can see by the fourth century, this stuff is already ingrained as like a, a popular belief among Christians that this is how it lines right. up. So, so it's actually so, – go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, we, we celebrate it on April 7th, but the Armenian okay. church calendar is weird because it's divided up into like periods of Hisnog, Church. Sure. it means 50 days. Okay. And so we have like um, I think like seven 50-day periods. Sure. And then there's like a another – there's like the days left over are like wiggle room. Sure. Yeah. So, so essentially, like we count from Easter Sunday because that's the biggest holiday, right? Right. And then we observe seven, seven week, uh, or fiftieth day, approximated in a few cases to make it match jubilee sure. periods, uh-huh. uh, in which we observe celebrations of either feasts or fasts. Right. So, so, so they're kind of like re- reflective of the theme of the commencing feast and also at the same time, they're preparatory for whatever the upcoming feast is. So for example, like real quick, Easter to Pentecost, 50 days, Pentecost to transfiguration, 50 days, transfiguration to Holy cross, approximately 50 days, Holy cross to the winter 50, uh, which is like preparation for the nativity and, and uh, Christmas winter 50 to theophany, theophany to Lent, Lent to sure. Easter. So our calendar is different, and it's better than uh, the other church's calendar. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course Just it is. Just to clear but, that up. But you still see that that gap period put in there um, and yeah. measured out yeah. to see that, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's like an important claim that Christians are making, saying about when Jesus was born and when he died. Um and so that's well, we how also we celebrate uh, his birth and we remember his death in the same period. Because uh, we are right. our, our fast before Lent. So when you talk about like the idea that Christ was born and died on the same day. Right. We actually act that out. Yeah. Uh, we so, do so that too. We have, a, we have a fasting period after Christmas. After we feast for Christmas, we have a fasting period to remember Christ's crucifixion. Yeah. That's actually um, so, common as far as I know, unless you're completely outside of the liturgical tradition. That's actually I mean, the way you do it is different, but that's a very common thing that's marked throughout. Oh good. Uh, okay. Throughout so we're not that weird. But yeah. like a, a lot of people think that we fast for Lent in preparation to, you know, preparation for Lent to remorse for, you know, Christ's uh death. death. Yeah, but and his crucifixion. But actually, in the Armenian Church, we view it more as we're doing that to purify ourselves in preparation to celebrate his resurrection. Oh, interesting. Whereas actually, okay. when we fast to re- remember his death is after Christmas. Yeah, interesting. So, anyway, yeah, this is all stuff that like for ninety nine percent of Armenian Orthodox Christians, they'll never know. Right. So well, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's well, that's, yeah, not that's generally a salvation I mean, issue, but right, right. I mean, the, the thing is, is that one of the. I mean, that ties in really well with the general theme of what what this is. Is that most Christians don't know why we yeah. do it on December. I mean, I think if you were to ask most Christians why it's December twenty fifth, they would probably say it was a pagan holiday and the church used it. Yeah, and, I and think by the way, I'll have Armenians that- come at me for for explaining it that way and say that's not actually true, and then they'll come at me with like just a Roman Catholic explanation, right? Because a lot of Armenian Christians around the world learned theology from Catholics, sure, for various yeah. historical and political realities. Um, so, yeah. to anyone who's about to write me a letter, uh, I'm right. So, <laughs> stop. Okay, you're not Catholic. 
Um, yeah, sorry. Go on, George. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's just, it, it's, it's, it's helpful to think about it because that like now we see, like once you see it, once you see like why people are taught, like we don't really have any evidence, good evidence that says, Hey, Christians decided on this day because it was the Rome Roman feast of whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. It really seems as though it was a popular thing that was believed and that uh, like it happened to coincide with this other thing that was going on around the same time. Um, now that's not to say that Christians, I'm sure Christians uh, definitely like took elements of like what celebrations looked like and stuff at the time to, to the, whatever they did for Christmas. But to say that December 25th is the day because of, you know, the Roman Imperial festivals or stuff is, is to be, is to be off base. And I think that that's really helpful to think about during this season, because um, this is like a time when all these conversations are going to be happening and it's a great way to flex and make yourself smarter than everyone else at the party that you're going to. <laughs> and, and, and the point of the church calendar is not that these things happen at specific dates during the calendar year. It, right. Their significance is found in their relation to each other. Yes. Right. So, so the, the distance between these feasts and fasts and celebrations. Um, so that's that's really what you need to keep in mind, and how the lectionary readings factor into that as well. So, how the yeah. lectionary prepares you for these various feasts, fasts, and holidays. Um, that's where the true beauty is, and and living in rhythm with the church uh, can be found, not through like focusing purely on you know. The resurrection is a spring holiday. It's actually right. not that important. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's all, it's, it's mostly coincidence. It's coincidence that, that, that is the case. I mean, what's mm-hmm. funny is that it's, it's coincidence historically that it's the case, but as we've mentioned briefly on the thing before, Christians would basically look at these other things that would happen and, uh, and they would say, oh, this is just like, the universal reason of God making like the basically prophetic things happening in other cultures that point to the story of Jesus or whatever. So, you know, right. there's the old unfalsifiable like, premise. Yeah. Yeah. That's the old, <laughs> the old thing. That's like, uh, you know, we can turn anything into a holiday. Like, you know, we're going to turn shark week into a Christian holiday or, yeah, or, yeah, to- yeah. or Toyota-thon. Into, into a Christian holiday, right. Um, is, yeah. uh, is 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 that idea uh because all days all things ultimately belong to god at least that's what they, they'll say um and, and yeah that, you i know, would believe yeah this week's toyota thon toyota thon toyota thon zero 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 percent apr and now featuring theology and there's just <laughs> that's gonna be the schism in 900 years old priest in the back of the room like to those who say there was a time when christ was not or that there was a time when the Holy Spirit does not, so does the Holy Church anathematize. <laughs> come now, come now, Corolla, Corolla. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what's going to be in 900 years. We're going to have a schism and someone's going to be like, this is why the Eastern Orthodox are going to burn in hell because they celebrate Toyotathon in April when we really know it was celebrated in May. <laughs> so, oh, man. So... So yeah, that's that's the case. You disrespect the meaning of Toyota Thon. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, as, as we go into this holiday season, I mean, um, you know, for Christians preparing for the holiday season, and before I go into this tangent, George, do you have any anything else you want to add? No, no, no. You tangent okay. away. Good. Um, as you're going into this holiday season, I want you to sort of think about the non-Christians in your life and it, the temptation for, you know, um, let's say exuberant and enthusiastic Christians to kind of take this, well, this is what the holiday is really about. Energy into Christmas is, is, is palpable and real. Um, don't do that. Okay. Um, try to, try to focus on, uh, the joy and peace and love, uh, that 
you know, what God did for us in this period calls to mind, right? So, I mean, this is the period where we remember that one of the consubstantial uh, uh, trinity, that Christ, the pre-eternal word, condescended to become incarnate of the Virgin Mary and become a man of, of flesh. That is, that is incredible. That's what we're remembering right now, yes. But you don't need to tell your atheist aunt that. What you need to do is embody the spirit of, that, of this holiday, reflect with humility and grace on what it means, and radiate that humility, grace, and joy to all of those in your life without judgment and in as pure a love as you can manage. Um, so resist the urge to politicize this holiday, uh, resist the urge to, you know, atheists and non-believers already feel like Christ Christmas is forced down their throats every season. They're aware of what the true meaning of it is and that it has to do with Jesus. You don't have to remind them, <laughs> you know, so, so I would say do your best to take that attitude into the holidays and to make the most of, of that time with loved ones. Yes. Ditto to all of that. Unless one of them gets too drunk and says that Christians only celebrate it because it's a pagan holiday on December 25th. And then you can hashtag, Look. hashtag, uh, destroy them in front of it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, in grace. Yeah, make sure you have an air horn when you <laughs> actually, Grandma, Dear. you're an idiot. Ear, 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 ear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, enjoy Excellent. enjoy the season. Yes, um, and you know, and also like, especially for the Christians listening, um, stay aware of those in need in your communities. And, you know, do what you can. I mean, we, we mentioned homelessness earlier. Uh, if you have time to donate, if you have funds to donate, um, this is this is a really this is a really great time of year to to put some of those efforts forth. Yeah. Uh, as a pastor, um, one of the things that I can recommend if you're a member of if you're a member of a church and you know there are people in your community, maybe they're elderly or they're single or whatever, and they don't have somewhere to go. Invite them to come, unless your unless your family is completely screwed, um, uh, screwed up in any way possible. You can invite them over and have a uh, in, invite them to join. That's like a huge and super helpful. Or if way your family is really screwed out. up, invite them yeah, in and maybe be like, "So you don't want help. one of these." You yeah. don't want one of these, do you? You're the <laughs> yeah, lucky so one, an, orphan. <laughs> there's this a cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, go back to the orphanage and joy. <laughs> you don't have one of these to fucking deal with. Um, <laughs> I love you, family. So with that, I mean, we have quite the question to answer. Yes, we do. And so let's have it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Something. Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm going to frame this one and then I'll leave it to you, Reverend. Um, All right. I received this message from uh, a friend who is um, more important than my other friends because okay. she is Armenian. Excellent. So, uh, you know, she, her question got moved to the top for that reason. <laughs> we got like a laundry list of these fucking things, but uh, I sort them by ethnicity. Right. So. We yes, favoritism is ethnic favoritism is is shown definitely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so she asked, "What are your thoughts on the argument that Christianity isn't a monotheistic religion due to the heavy belief in icons and the Holy Trinity?" Jews and Muslims make this argument, and that's why they can pray at a synagogue or a mosque if their holy holy house is not available but never at a church. So, so this comes from Christina. Uh, so in summation, like uh, she's asking what we make of um, 
the argument that many Jews and Muslim apologists uh, sort of throw at Christianity saying, hey, Christianity is not monotheistic because, uh, you know, you've got this this idea of a holy trinity. So how is that monotheism? That's, you know, Trinitarianism, isn't it? And, and so there's not mono, there's three. Uh, yeah. The thing about icons, I mean, I can address very quickly before you get into it because we're probably we're going to have very different ways of answering that. Sure. Uh, the way I put it is that, you know, icons are, are merely holy depictions of saints who upon their death directly enter heaven. So they're being de de depicted in heaven, essentially, in body and spirit. Um, we venerate them. We do not worship them, but we venerate them solely as a relation of their closeness to God. So it's not as if, you know, we look at St. George and we're like, St. George is so great period. Like, no, St. George is so great due to his proximity to God. I know. I right? know I am. This is okay. So St. <laughs> <laughs> George, you the centurion, you fool. <laughs> um, no. So, so um, he, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that part out of the way. Um, for, for the, for the rest of this, um, George, I'm, I'm going to leave it to you because I answered her briefly, but I said that you'd kind of take the baton. Yeah. And run with it. Yeah. So like, I think, I think a good thing to, so what they, I, I haven't seen these things on TikTok or social media or whatever, but I've encountered enough stuff like it to, to see that that would be kind of the, the case. I mean, this is a pretty, this is the big problem that both uh jews and muslims have with christianity is is one of them besides what we say about jesus is the trinity um and how that's kind of formulated while still claiming to be monotheistic um and i think like that you know they can i think a lot of that is just polemical um in that it's like they mm -hmm. it's seen from a standpoint of an easy it's an easy dunk and not really making an argument about how it how it isn't or not really trying and seeking to understand uh the christian argument i would say that it's good I, I think when cole was talking about icons it's a very good example of people who are uh, against uh icons in in that and they don't really seek to understand the orthodox at least the way the orthodox formulate it even if they still have a problem with it they usually don't at least tell like in their writings against it or their polemic against it, talk about the difference between worship and veneration and, and, and things like that. They just say, Oh, they bow and, and worship to icons. Right. And that's it. Uh, <laughs> and that's great. Great dunk. Love using it on coal. It's great. Um, hundred percent agree. Oh, uh, they're huffing incense. Yeah. Huffing incense. Yeah. Um, uh, but not a good argument against it. Right. Uh, really good for giving a pat on the back and like rallying the team. Um, but not because <laughs> one of the things that I think that they would have to deal with is they would essentially have to call and, and again, unless they're being completely polemical here, they would have to call all of the writers of the New Testaments and, and Christians like schizophrenic um, uh, because the way that the New Testament talks about the faith where we get this idea of the Trinity from is very clear that God has uh, three persons but is one God and the Trinity as an idea, right? You can't find it in the Bible. Uh, it's, there's not, it's when by what I mean by that isn't, it doesn't say the Trinity in big, bold letters and define all the different facets of it. It's, it's not there, but the word omniscient isn't in the Bible. It's something we still claim about God because we can discern yeah. that about his character. Ex nihilo from, is not in the Bible either. Right. But it's something we can discern from character um, and mm. what is given to us in scripture. And you can do that, uh, Muslims, and uh, do that with the Quran. Jews uh, do that with the Torah um, and the Talmud. And so, like, this is it's clear that, like, all religions have these concepts because this is just normal. This is people giving older uh, or giving these concepts form or words in order to uh, describe these headier theological things. So, uh, in just to just to prove this point about how we can see this, right? So, uh, you see Paul in uh, in his letters say there is in Ephesians he says there is one body and one spirit. 
just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So right there, you have one, right? One is being emphasized. He's, he's trying to make unity. He's making unity a big point of this of this part of his letter. So he's he's emphasizing unity, right? He says God is one. God is is un, is, is 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 has unity. But at the same time, we also have these Trinitarian formulas that pop up in the New Testament. So again, from a letter of Paul, this is 2 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, right? You see all three, Jesus. And with your spirit. God the Father and and with your spirit, yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, whenever someone says that, I have to. Um, Baked in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But you see all three, right? You see all persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son, all mentioned there together. And no one is 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 shown to be not God in in that. Um and uh and 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 you see the same thing in First Peter, where it says, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied with you. So again, you have the foreknowledge of God the Father, you have the sanctification of the Spirit, you have the obedience to Jesus Christ. These are Trinitarian formulas. The most famous one is is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, which all Christian denominations uh, baptize in. This is the one thing um, the, the, this is like when it comes to liturgy in the first century, and we know this from the Didache, this is the one thing they make a big deal out of is you have to baptize in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Um, and so that's again, all these different persons of God being held equally with each other. Um, and even outside, like I already mentioned the Didache, but even outside of the new Testament, we have this letter from, um, Clement, um, and this is first century. And it says, do we not have one God? one Christ and one gracious spirit that has been poured out upon us and one calling in Christ. Uh, so again, Trinitarian formula. So the Trinity, right, as a concept pops up because Christians are looking at all this. They're looking at the teachings of the apostle. They're looking at the words of scripture and they go, all right, well, there, God, the son, there's God, the son, there's God, the father and God, the Holy spirit. And it's one God. And so we understand this to be three different persons uh, but but all part of God, and that's one kind of essence. how it's formulized. What? Yeah, one in essence. Yes, yeah. And so you have them articulate that. Mm-hmm. So the, the you can say, oh, you have three different gods, but that's not how we view it. That's not how Christianity has viewed it. And if that was the case, you would have Christians proudly proclaim that they're polytheists. And I know this, because if you've ever done any outreach to Mormons, Mormons, while holding to the Old Testament and the New, they'll say this, right? Holding to the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Book of Mormon, believe in polytheism. Like they'll openly say they're polytheists. God the Father is a separate God from God the Son, and the Holy Spirit isn't God. Uh, and there's other ones out there. There's God the Mother, or like the Holy Heavenly Mother. Um, but you're no, you don't need to pray to her. You only need to pray to Jesus and God the Father. And of course, they believe that they become gods, right? So there is, they're a polytheist and they're openly, will say that to you if you, if you tell them that, right? They'll say, well, we're monotheists in that we only worship one or two, <laughs> but we don't, um, but we do, but we admit that there are tons of other gods out there. So if this was a teaching of Christianity, it would be more open and, and they wouldn't try to hide the eight ball. Um, but right. this is clearly a, uh, clearly a teaching that is found in the New Testament, um, and something that the early church uh, held to. And so the Trinity as a concept is meant to it, it harmonize these things and explain it in a way that is mm-hmm. at least kind of understandable as, as much as we can. Because obviously with God, there's a lot of mystery. And even in those traditions, right? Um, in Islam, there's a concept of talheed, which is oneness, right? Because they're very – that the as, as the questioner asked, they're very focused on monotheism. But even the way that Muslims define talheed – is very deep theologically, um, and there's lots of debate about it. Uh, and so it's it's never as simple as kind of our first, uh, you know, in- interpretations of something. But you really have to you have to look at it. And even if you think 
like if you're a Jew or a Muslim and you don't buy that argument from Christians, you can at least you should at least say that Christians are monotheists, um, but they just have a really effed up way of explaining it. Um, I think that's probably the most generous what, and yeah. most charitable form that you could probably give. Uh, one so way that's, to that's understand one way to understand this as well is that like. Um, well, first of all, uh, the nature of God, uh, there's no reason why that should be simple. Sure. And easy to wrap your head around. Right. Um, and uh, second, that, you know, in Christianity, we, we firmly believe that, like, God is love. In his simplest explanation, God is love. God is the purest and highest l- form of love that there is. Um, and love cannot exist in isolation. So, so the, the, the fact that like in order for God to be the, this perfect embodiment of love among other things, obviously that's not his, that's not the full definition of God, but in order for God to be the, the highest and fullest and truest infinite form of love, um, he must be expressed in three persons in relationship to one another. Right. So he is one in essence. He is one God expressed through three persons. Um, and his representing uh, and embodying infinite love is, is part of uh, how we understand that, the reason behind that in, in Christianity. George, agree, disagree, correct? Um, I, I, think, I, th- I think that agree the i think the only thing i would add and this isn't a bad thing um is it, it must be expressed i think it, that's just how that that's god, god chooses like that's how god yes, chooses that, that to is a, that is a very good uh yeah himself yeah. but like i don't think that that's what what you said was completely right i mean i think one of the things that if you want to look at the old testament right i use new testament references but one of the big ones in the old testament which is actually kind of funny because this is one of the things that we use to talk about monotheism in the Old Testament, but it's the Shema in Exodus, where God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The word for one there, I don't have it in front of me right now in Hebrew, is the same word for one that is used uh, when uh, when Genesis talks about how a man will join with his wife and become one flesh. So with that, you even have this idea of like, there's two persons, one thing, Right. Um, Take that, Jews. Hoist by your own <laughs> petard. <laughs> uh, so, like, but you just you still have this. You have this idea of that's how God expresses Himself, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure Jews I mean, have yeah. an, an understanding for that. Um, but I mean, that- George, haven't the Jews been through enough recently? <laughs> Do we have to just pwn them like first, that? <laughs> first, we talk about Kanye, and now, now George. First, Cole Cole defends Kanye, and now George I did does not, this. Oh. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, I didn't defend him when he was saying, like, you know, let's have <laughs> World War II again. <laughs> it's a very different context. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, man, I'm um, never going to live that down. But anyway, I think that's that. the only thing is to add to what you said is that God expresses him what his, himself in this way, and it's clearly one of of uh, of of his nature of three persons – um, in a relationship in one thing, right? In one thing. So mm-hmm. in one God. And so that's that's what I think would be that's I think this is only I only wanted to add that to to say that I you're on the right track. Yeah. Very, very so. nice. Uh so there you go. You can take it addition. to TikTok. Yes. You can take that to yeah. TikTok or Instagram or whatever and uh and light them up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, Christina Johnson, I got shot. Uh, thank you for the question, Christina. And, um, on that note, have a, have a fantastic Christmas. Um, you know, I'll do all the stuff that I said to do. And, uh, yeah. So proclaimeth Cole Sterling Tostian. George, anything to add before we, uh, Turn these kids loose. <laughs> uh, yes. Remember, your purpose during the Christmas season is to win as many family debates as you possibly oh. can. <laughs> uh, no. Have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. 
Um, and, uh, and yes, may the love of Jesus be with you, uh, during this season as you, uh, go out and spread, uh, the good news through thought, a word and deed. Couldn't have said it better myself. And until next week, stay cool, cool kids. Peace out.